Laura, thank you for coming in today. You have such a wonderful career of impact and contribution and purposeful leadership and innovation across so many domains and across so many countries. It's amazing. And it's definitely a North Star or a beacon for the world and for all of humanity and Earth ecosystems to really, you're, you're the model for good and purposeful um, leadership. So thank you for coming in and sharing with our audience. Thank you so much for having me, Sitan. This is such an honor. It's very nice to be here with you. <laughs> so Lara, you know, my audience is, is quite mixed, but it's really a lot of CEOs and founders and investors are they're always sort of the top uh, members of our audience. And then I have scientists as well, because my interviews appear in science communities. And students, and, and the question uh, that they're always curious about when, when I have you, this wonderful person with this amazing career and who's, who's so influential, what are those two or three inflection points in your life that, um, you know, change the course of, of who you are and who you are today? And, and it could have been when you were three or five, or, or it could have been later in your life. Um, that made this just this impactful person you are and help shape your leadership principles and things like that. So, oh, well, um, I think that the first point was my, my childhood being raised by a Japanese mother who also was a medical doctor, but uh, she was, she was studying physics, mathematics. She wanted to understand the connection of everything and not only from the point of view of medicine or Western medicine. And then my father, that was also a medical doctor. Uh, when I had to decide what I wanted to do for life, I decided that I want to do uh, medicine because I was looking them serving others. And it was so nice to see this serving others and the gratitude of people who were being benefited. So the inflection point was when I had to decide by doing medicine, but it was so hard to enter the university that my father wanted. And then suddenly I decided, you know what? I want to do business administration. And at that moment, when I was in this career, uh, space like okay I am not doing what I kind of wanted to do but I am here and then suddenly I entered into the pharmaceutical industry so I was kind of there doing something for health and I could find this kind of connection of what my parents were doing and the pharmaceutical industry. So the first point was what to do with business administration and go to pharmaceutical industry. But then the second point was very important one because when I was there already, Stephen, and I think I was like 32, 33 years old, and I was already a general manager uh, of Hungary Pharma Bayer, no? And there, there was a point that I told, okay, I have a point of my career where I am general manager. I didn't expect to be. I am here. There are so many good things happening. And I was starting to read and learn about yoga and about this spirituality, this philosophy that is, we are here to do something more. And then suddenly I wanted to do this. And there was some discussions with my mother that she was challenging me because I told, okay, I am here. I am the pharmaceutical company. 
sometimes I am in spaces where people want to do good and they tell many bad things about pharmaceutical companies. And then my mother was telling, okay, so what do you want to do? You want, I want to go to India, teach yoga or something like this. And then suddenly she was telling, yeah, go there because you will find people who will who like this, who will look for you to do this. They are ready. But in the corporation is more difficult. And then Stephen, I told, no, I'm not running away. And then at that point, it was 2004, I decided that I would bring spirituality to the, to the corporations. I told, I will live a life that I want. So I am in corporation, but I will do good. So I will live by my principles, my values, and I will bring this. And I think that the, the third was when I had to decide what to do being very young, still like 49, and having to change careers. Do I come back to corporation? What I do? And I decided that it was the moment to give back and to tell you know what? I did a career that I was a corporate executive. I work in the pharmaceutical companies. I loved it and I did it for good. I'm proud of it. So, how to bring this to other people? How help other people to understand how to live a life of pride that whatever you are working, you will know why you are doing that. And by having this meaning in your life, you can live in a way that is very coherent and you can be yourself and be proud. And I thought, okay, I will start to do this. So I think that it was three moments that changed and shaped a lot my life, Stephen. <laughs> Yeah, that's really, really fascinating um, to hear. Uh, one, your mother is a, is a medical doctor, but she has a broad interest like in mathematics and physics and so on. And your father also is a doctor. So that shapes your future in terms of healthcare in some way and, and for the care of others. Mm, yes. And then you go into business administration and, and you and you at a very early age, you become a leader within the pharmaceutical industry. And, and you have this inflection point within the pharmaceutical industry as a corporate executive that, you know what, I want to add other elements, the coherence elements, the spirituality elements of a purpose in leadership and enabling people to find that purpose um, through encouragement and not through uh, I think sometimes you know this idea of top-down smart objectives and so on. Yes, you want it to be driven uh, from from inside, right? And and having people be incentivized and motivated from the inside by having a, a really um, encouraging environment and, and this one and this word of coherence. So I, I think that's re really fascinating and makes you uh, quite unique. So. So now, you know, so you have this path and and you and you find your purpose, but you're also enabling your team members to find their purpose as well by by encouraging them. And you and you're you're unique too because you're you you enter all of this space which is very male dominated, and yet you become the first uh, female leader to be appointed in these senior executive positions and so on. Can you talk about that journey? as being a woman and a male dominated space and then leading uh, as a woman 
and what perspective and what um, broadening did you bring from from being the first woman in many cases of many of the roles that you took on? You know, Stephen, this is very this is very interesting because uh, I have to confess and be honest that in many parts of my life I was very against the diversity and inclusion because it kind of worked against me. Let's say it's 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 very bad to tell like this, but I have to be honest. When I was a leader as a woman, I never thought that it was like I I worked hard and I just wanted to help and I was in these positions and then suddenly all of these movements started where they started to make kind of uh, um, the objectives of gender equality and the percentages and then suddenly in a point there was a question if I was there because I was a woman and just to feel the need or if I was there because of my work but then I understood that, of course, there are, I was the only woman there. I was the only one. So we need to have more women. And somehow, the way that I operated as a female in these places, maybe also because of the influence of my mother being Japanese and a woman in spaces that she had to be there and make herself see her value, I understood in many situations that I was the only woman and it was not comfortable for men to be around a woman, for example, in a business trip where they used to be just alone as men and have some kind of language when they were together talking about business and everything. And then suddenly there is a woman there and they have to, I don't know, to think before they are talking. And I knew it and I wanted them to feel comfortable. Somehow, what was nice is because I knew what I wanted in life and I knew who I was and I wanted to bring value to the table, I made them comfortable to be with women. And I knew that I was the first woman and I had to make it good for them to have other women. So it's not an inclusion. You don't have to include me because I'm different. You have to see the value and feel comfortable and know that I bring something more. So the places that I were, I just tried to do it. It was easy. It was not easy. But I think that what helped a lot is that the whole time I was not doing this for the purpose of being a woman or fighting against something. I wanted to live what I believed and live my purpose. I know that I can help. I know that I can add value. So I come here because there is something much bigger that we can achieve together. And each time that I took away from accepting me or proving myself and tell, let's find something else. Let's be a collective wisdom together. I think that each time that I did this, it worked. Each time that I wanted to fight, it didn't work. Yes. So I think that I learned that all human beings have a unique value that you can bring into the table. And if you have the right environment, the collective wisdom has an exponential potential. And if you are able to do this, is the best way for you as a minority, let's say, to bring your value to the table. So this was my takeaway of, of this journey. <laughs> You know, that's really, really fascinating. Uh, you know, that's perspective of 
of harmony. So you you clearly can bring value, but you have to ensure that the the your colleagues feel the value, but also this harmony and synchronicity and coherence with you. So they don't feel that you're some intruder or you're some outsider, but you're one of them and, and you want to make them feel comfortable or in harmony or in coherence with who you are and your purpose. And and so you then you become the first female um leader executive president of the uh, of the Bayer group in Latin America and you're the first woman elected as chairperson of uh Cavanel, this uh, German Chamber of Commerce and and uh, the first CEO with the title chief purpose officer as well and and, and at, at all of these times you're clearly adding value and yet you want everybody to feel comfortable um with your presence as well and, and to have that insight and the ability to create that inclusion uh, coherence, I think it's just uh, fascinating. So it makes you uh, quite unique. And yet, you know, I know you're, gonna, you're in the process of writing a book. So you want to instantiate and spread all of these learning and wisdom. I can see also, you know, your your mother's uh, Japanese and she's a doctor. And, and I know a lot of people of Japanese, I'm of Japanese descent and women have a hard time often. <laughs> and in fact, my my Japanese colleagues uh, in Japan, they, it's hard for them to break through, right? Because it's such a male-centric uh, point of view. So oh, that's, that is absolutely uh, just uh, fascinating. Okay, so so you have this position. You're you're inculcating this harmony uh, with people. Tell me about your process now of how you want to bring your team along. So you're this leader, but how how are you um, incentivizing your team, motivating motivating your team throughout your career, and especially as you develop more and more of these insights of being in, intrinsically motivated and not forced to be motivated. Tell me about that process. Okay, I love this question. You know, I think that I cannot tell that it was always conscious because I made lots of mistakes. I wanted to fit in. I wanted to be a little more male, uh, Western, European. So it's like, a, it's not completely conscious the whole time. But I think that what happened is that I was put in positions where I was a leader in a young um, young age and I was in different countries Stephen that I cannot tell all of these people what to do they are older than me they have more experience than me they speak the language for example in Hungary I don't even speak the, the, the language so somehow even if I had this pressure that I have to know things because I am a boss let's say I, I had some help from uh corporate executive coaches, one coach in particular that was telling, you have to believe and you have to trust people. So in this way, each country that I was going, I knew that I had to make the best out of the people that was there because I needed them to succeed. So somehow the way that I was going, I had to find in different countries ways for very quickly for me to to work the way that I wanted, lead the way that I felt comfortable, that is trusting in people, working with them. And 
And at the same time, um, uh, I had only four years because my tenures normally was four or five years in each country. So I, at a certain point, Stefan, I understood that when I arrived in a country, um, there are people that were working there because they loved it, because they woke up in the morning and they were very happy doing it. And there were other people that wanted to be close to me because knew that probably being close to me, they would have some advantages, they could influence me. And this is the way that is the corporation and other pla all the places. And I tried to get these people that were there for something more. And then I understood that as soon as I create an environment where this kind of behavior, beliefs are stronger, that we have to wake up in the morning and we have to love what we are doing. And we have to do this for something more. The decision-making process, the ethics, the moral, they are much higher level. They have a higher level of consciousness and the possibility of having good results, sustainable results were better. So I started to understand that I wanted to, first I wanted to make my people happy. And I went to delivering happiness. I studied the Zappos. I studied Bhutan. And I wanted to bring this to the, to the, because I saw that when people are in a good spirit and they have clarity in their minds, they can make good decisions. No? So then I was trying and I read a lot about human beings. And then as I was going from Hungary, then to Mexico, and then uh, to Venezuela, and then to India, I was kind of being sure that the leader's main objective is to make better human beings. If you are working with better human beings that want to make a difference, and they understand that they have one purpose that can align with the company's purpose. It's you can do whatever you want, Stephen. It's like uh, in in Venezuela that we didn't know what was going on. It was very difficult. We had to make decisions, but we didn't know what was happening. So in an uncertainty moment, we've kind of lots of decisions to make an overwhelming number of choices that you have. Sometimes you don't need certainty. You need clarity. Which clarity? Why you're here for? What are your values? And what do you want from your future? And if you have a collective wisdom like this, sometimes it's not you, it's not your leadership team. But the collective, knowing that they want to do something good for the country, for, for the people, the decisions are coming. So I, at certain point, I was sure that I wanted people who work with purpose, that they are joining the company because they have a purpose that align with the company. And we were making this kind of request when we are hiring people, make a letter of purpose. If you do not have a letter of purpose, you do not have your own purpose in life, tell me why you want to join the company and why you think that we can make a difference. Because I think that only this way you can truly make a difference. And you as a leader, you don't have to take responsibility for people. You have to focus on serving them to do what they have to do. So I, I lived it. And I think that this is the way for us also, Stefan, to really 
make good decisions in all of the technology that is coming in the future. Because if people are working for profit and numbers, they will do whatever they need to have profit and numbers, and this might not be good. But if you are doing things to build a better future, a better, better humanity, a better life for everybody, a better planet, then the decisions and everything that we have as resources in our life and that will come, they will be for the benefit of us and next generations. And this is what I believe. <laughs> Sorry for the long, long answer. <laughs> Again, uh, you know, that's, that is so interesting and, and very successful, this holistic view of driving for a broader purpose, the purpose of, of humanity, the purpose of your fellow colleagues, the purpose of the, the broader planet, that re, uh, results in better leaders. Mm -hmm. And that's what you aim to do, to build these uh, leaders in your team. And you, you mentioned that trust was also more important and, and really in contrast to just thinking about numbers, having this trust element, mm -hmm. and then helping your team members finding meaning and purpose in their work, mm -hmm. and to have that intrinsically be their motivation to make a difference, and and reaching out from a holistic point of view of a of goodness, right? Yes, and that would then um, provide sort of an exponential growth potential of of mm -hmm. your members and so on so and, and you came to this realization of just through this continuing evolution of working in different countries but also in India as well and and that made you this wonderful leader and and so you've been profiled right you've been profiled in different books can you talk about that uh, I and all of this was in my last period in India because uh, I was given a huge opportunity to implement what I believed and to to trust the people, trust the team. And uh, one of the books that I was profiled is the um, bringing humanity back uh, to business and leading with purpose. It's from Michael Chavez that was the CEO of the uh, Duke Education Program. Uh, corporate education program and there was when uh, he interviewed me because uh, he was uh, working and had an article in Forbes, Forbes for the uh, purpose in organization but mainly I think that what happened in India is that we allowed everybody to work for the purpose of the company so Rush has a very strong purpose uh, it's like doing now what, uh, what uh, patients need next so when we told, okay, what this means for India, how we can do this for India, and by the end it was, we have to improve healthcare because being competitors in the small market that we had because there is no access is fighting with competitors. So this is not helping anybody. But if you give more access to healthcare, to the population, then the pie will increase. But to do this, we have to do this with our competitors. With We have to think holistically. We have to think in how to help really the need of the country. So in doing this, we changed the whole business model, the, the whole strategy. And then uh, we didn't have, for example, business plan. We have life-saving plans. And in this, it was very, very good for the people to do their best. The stakeholders were involved. And I think that this was what was so meaningful that what I learned from this is that really 
we can work for good and more, Stephen. And right now is even more, is that everybody now, let's see, let's not generalize. Probably 90% of the people today are questioning what I am doing. Uh, how can I do something meaningful? So many people want to, to uh, start their own business because they think that they want to do something that is according to their purpose. But corporates can offer a platform where collectively they can even impact more because they can align their own purpose with the companies. And this is what I was profiled for, is that bringing purpose, living with purpose, doing what you were here to do. And, and this is something that we need so much right now. And if we do not transform the way that we work, the way that we live, people will be completely unhappy and this will bring stress, burnout, and everything that we are seeing today. And truly, for us to make this step in consciousness of humanity and really bringing companies to have a sustainable life, we need to transform the way that we measure success. We shouldn't measure success by GDP, by shareholder value. So we should measure GDP by how much a country is contributing for the citizens to have a quality of life and helping the planet and companies, how much I am adding value to the humanity and to the planet and leaving a very good footprint for the future. If we change how we measure success, that people are happy because they are working in this company that they are proud of, that they can tell their children. So this changes completely everything. So for me right now, it's so important for us to see success in a different way. And this is how many people are seeing, right? That is um, so interesting and uh, definitely needs to proliferate. And, you know, there's, I, I, so in my interviews, it's unscripted and you, you are so aligned with the, uh, um, another CEO friend, her name is, uh, we call her Kun Bi. Uh, she's uh, out of Thailand and she's founded a company called DTGO. And wow, there's just a tremendous amount of alignment between your thinking and her thinking as well. It's, it's incredible. So uh, I can see the leaders of purpose. The leaders of purpose is, uh, is a program out of Harvard and uh, Unilever and the World Bank and things like that. And they, interview uh, CEOs or past CEOs, you should be part of their ongoing, and they pick, I think, uh, something like 10 to 15 to interview every few years. You, your your views are uh, just uh, remarkable. I can see why, you know, Michael uh, from Forbes, you know, that you'd mentioned him in, in the interview here, the CEO of Duke Corporation and uh, Corporate Education did an article uh, about you as a as the first chief purpose officer in the CEO position and how you've been uh, featured in in two books as well because you have all of these ideas and not just ideas but you're implementing them and that is thinking when you're working for a company about the broader societal needs or the broader humanity needs or uh, the broader needs and you and you so you reformed even when you in India you the uh 
the business plan of the company to think in a broader sense, not as I'm competing against one company or another, but what's better, what's better for the community, what's better for inclusion of, of, of the broader society. And in that way, if you as an individual can align your you align yourself with that kind of thinking, but the corporation aligns itself with that kind of thinking. And ultimately, everybody wins. The corporation wins, but broader humanity wins, or the ecosystem wins. So, I mean, that's just amazing, you know, just working consciously about impacting society in a positive way and building people who are thinking about purpose uh, uh, as themselves, but within their companies and then on the, the broader holistic uh, um, perspective. I mean, that That is... <laughs> That is a wonderment, and and I can see um, why you're trying to proliferate that idea, right? Because the planet would be better, humanity would be better, companies would be better, governments would be better. Not measuring yes. GDP, but 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 the benefit. Yes. The benefit. Yes. Because, yes. but and can you imagine, Stefan, that uh, last year, like Patagonia, right. oh, no donated his company for a foundation that is fighting uh, climate change. You know right. the pressure in all corporations, you know, right. but it's not the pressure of corporation of doing the same, it's the pressure of the corporation of people wanting to work in a place right. that they know that each, each penny that they are helping to sell, they know that this is helping the planet and the future. Because Stefan, can you imagine something? We are so busy the, doing our daily lives. And when you start very young and you want to be successful as a professional, yeah, and you want to have a work-life balance. What means work-life balance? Means that your life has to have a meaning and you have to have time for what is really important in life. If you are working in a company that the company is helping fight climate change, just for living, for waking up in the morning, you are doing something meaningful. Yeah. And this changes completely how you were motivated. This changes completely the relationship between company and employee. This is kind of, we are all in the same boat and we are all doing something that is much more than me getting, earning money, you earning money, you being promoted. It, it changes the perspective. You know, like Marx Planck, change the way you look at things and change the things and, 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 and the things you look at will change. It's like work will not be an obligation anymore. It will be a kind of mission together to go to someplace. And, and this is what we have to do in the future. This should be at least what we strive for. So we want to finish economies, corporations. We want to fight against everything that destroyed the past. No, maybe what we want is to do it better. How can we, just by changing the way that we look to economies and corporations and everything, and we can use still what is established, but then make the system work differently, right? So, and this all is changing what you aim for. If we change what, if we are not living in a hostile environment, if we are living in a friendly universe that is abundant and we can do together so many things 
and we visualize that in 2030, we can have reverted many of the damage that we have done and we are living a much better life. So how can we do this, right? Yeah, and, and in fact, you can even see research. Um, if you it, When people reframe uh, what they see as a burden or what they see as, as yes. top-down task-driven mission for them and, and they're part of the process uh, of doing better uh, of making society better and so on that that'll increase their happiness index work won't feel like work it'll feel like a mission a, a passion something that you're inspired to do right and and that reframing even applies to things like uh, stress right if you think of stress as stress then you're going to get stressed if you think it as an opportunity to grow uh -huh. then then you're 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 going to uh, have a much better uh, outcome, even from a health standpoint, right? So it's always this process of reframing for the opportunity, for goodness, for purpose, uh -huh. for for adding value. That in in every way will will make everybody uh, higher on the sort of consciousness level, on the spirituality level, and even on the happiness index, right? Because they used to think that you oh. couldn't control your happiness, and they thought it was fixed. But yet uh, people through meditation can improve their happiness. And how is that? It's you reframing. And you, so you're talking about a process and, and, a, and a way of uh, thinking uh, about everything you do, ultimately, uh, consciously and in a purposeful way will just make for a better company, better society, better countries. Yes. Right? And ultimately, the planet benefits or Earth ecosystems benefit. And then you get harmony in this idea of synchronicity that Julie talks ah, about. Ah, so, ah. Or, or a better, more coherent world. You know, I just, I mean, uh, <laughs> it's just wonderful. Stefan, I just, I, just I just make some connections here. So when I remember a lot how the rewarding process was for me, how I was grown up. Like my mother used to tell, okay, if you do this, you will receive a very nice fruit, an apple. So I loved watermelon. So watermelon was one regard, reward that I had. And our funny uh, jokes at home were about Mao Bataan and reading books. Of, so it was like kind of studying, eating healthy. All of these was rewards. So I grown up seeing these this way. And after I knew, okay, there are chocolates, there are other things, and there are other fun stuff. This was for me what I liked because I was like kind of grown up like this. So then I, I look right now and I tell, uh, why people get stressed with work? Because they see everything bad about work. I loved working. I never got, to, I never took one pill to sleep because I went to sleep like so happy because I had to work, to, to work the next day. So the way that I'm thinking now and how I put this in a way is like, what if everybody reframes and is able to have this kind of technology to reframe for ourselves, no? And it's what I was talking to. It's like, a, for me, in my mind, how I did it and how I see it is like a like kind of four ways of looking at it. If I understand each time of my life as I grow older, which are the what, what are the in, which are the pieces of the integrality of my life? I have my work, I have my community. There is a planet. I have to be aware about this. 
partner, uh, children, or whatever. So you know the integrality of your life. And you understand how the past environment or people build you to what you became. And you have these beliefs that you bring today. And you have a future that you look and you have other beliefs. Then you bring the intentionality and you tell, I know, I have to know what I want from my life. So I know what kind of person I want to be and which environment I want to live. So I reframe my stories from the past. So they are adequate to this year. So I am living an intentional life, looking back, not regretting, but learning from the lessons that I have to become who I am. And then I look to the future and I said, okay, what, what I want? And then the coherence is like, how you live your intentions, like a mission, you have a very clear purpose because you learn to live a purpose. And then you have an intentional mission for all of the parts of your life that you are in, no? And then you are learning because then difficulties are coming. They are not decreasing, but the way that you handle them is easier. And this is a learning from my son. But getting older, going to high school, going to it's not going to be easier but you learn to handle things better and how you learn to handle things better knowing what you want because you will not know what will come but knowing what you want you can shape it and this is living in coherence to be to be the same person in the college in the for my friends my teachers for everybody and in the work in the adulthood is for you to be coherent, being who you are in your work, with your friends, with your children, your partner. And you can only do this if you know who you are and what you want. So for me, purpose is so important. And it's kind of the what sediments a good way of living. So this is for me what I just make this reflection right now. <laughs> Yeah, and, and there's this continual uh, time continuum, this temporal continuum of intention and purpose, and you're reframing everything in your life mm -hmm. to intent, intention and purpose, and there that gives you uh, a meaning, and meaning drives happiness and mission. Mm. And it drives um, contribution as well, mm. and adding value. You know, it's a it's a wonderful uh, metaphor for so much, but also a framework and mm -hmm. model. I, and I can see this being uh, a framework that anybody can get involved with. And then I guess that leads to your book. And that's why you're writing a book. So can you talk about this book and and what you uh, what the theme of the book is and then what you see as maybe the some of the major uh, chapters or buckets in the book? And, and how uh, people are going to get into the book, the inbounding or the onboarding within the book, this journey, this narrative that you can paint in the book. And then on that onboarding, how they're going to evolve by consuming the book and, and seeing the coherence, uh, mapping their coherence uh, from the book onto themselves and then onto the book. And then how that's going to lead to better outcomes for them and for the bigger world. So let, let's map out this book. I, I'm curious about this book. Oh, good. So uh, so this was an idea like uh, knowing how I did things and now getting very clear in my mind what were the steps and everything. So 
The book is Living a Coherent Life Guided by Purpose. So the idea is how you live a coherent life and being guided by purpose. You know? so how purpose can make a difference and how you can do it. So it's exactly as I, I, I describe it. It has like four more important buckets. That is the integrality, the intentionality, the coherence, and then the lifelong learning. And somehow I just bring what this, what, what I told you, that is first how to learn to live integrality, how to see all the areas of your life and understand how the environment and relations that you had in the past influence what you are becoming and how these, how you see the future will influence your relationships and environment because this is what happens always. And then comes the intentionality where you have to work in this intentionality every day. What are the intentions that you have? And when you have the right intentions and you understand what you want from your life, then you come to bring coherence to this. So you put together your intentionality in the different parts of your life and doing missions on this. And in the part of the lifelong learning, there is an additional thing that is, if you have the right motivation, if you have the right motivations behind these right intentions, things will go to the right direction. But if you will have a very good intention, but you are driven by fear, by anger, the outcome will not be what you expect. So you have to learn throughout your life how you bring your intentionality through all the parts of your life and reframing situations that you get into for the benefit of your purpose. And then the, the last chapters are like, when you are, when you are on this, and you can put a phrase telling, I, my purpose is to help people live happily through their purpose and be coherent. Let's say this. And if I tell people my purpose and then people understand each action that I am doing, why I'm making decisions, etc., you start automatically to be a leader because you are inspiring people and people are following you. So you are a natural leader. And when you are a natural leader, you have two obligations. First, you have to build other leaders. You have to help others live this kind of life. And you have to bring an environment where this can be lived. And these are the corporations or whatever you are. And if you are a leader in a corporation, you have to strive for a corporation that is also integral, that see everything, that is also intentional, that is also coherent doing this intention in all of these stakeholders and then lifelong learning because it is learning and having a, a evolutionary purpose according to the dynamics and needs of the market, you evolve your purpose as a company. But then there is a, another point that is very important for a company is transparency. The communication internally one to another because human beings make corporations. And then outside for the stakeholders, the communication has to be very strong. And then I talk about a little, but very little about like a life coherence, the word coherence and the word coherence. So the, a little about this. So it's a, it's a kind of just putting, pouring my heart out of what I believe and what I really would like 
people to live with. I, I, I would not call a model because I think that models are telling that this is fixed. This is a, a, this is a territory very well uh, written. But I think that kind of it helped me to see the world and this is how I see the world and it was a good map. But maybe if people will use it as a reference and build their own maps. But it's a kind of, this is how I made my life today happy and feeling successful. So I don't know, this is, this is more or less the summary, Stephen. <laughs> That's a beautiful summary. So it's really a flexible framework and... You know, and now bringing sort of this medical pharmaceutical side to it, it has epigenetic effects, right? And that is, it could be yes, just... exactly. <laughs> so good to talk to you, Stephen. Sorry. Yeah, and and uh, you can then make grand changes to society and culture, and and as a for the benefit of everyone, good for all, and all in capital letters right good for the ecosystems around the world and, uh-huh. and then it builds communities you you get uh 10% and that 10% could drive the entire 8.4 billion right so yes. uh, it's just uh marvelous I, I mean and this harmonization that occurs as well so it's a it's a flexible framework with coherence and harmonization um it's 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 quite remarkable uh i I love the i love the whole theme of it i can see how it can help people um live life with purposeful intention so not just intention but purposeful intention um and this goes to the themes of this impact summit that you just came from about purposeful leadership purposeful business purposeful i add innovation because i i work in purposeful capital and investments and all, all for good, right? right. So that that's marvelous. So uh, now I just want to add some added elements. You know, we we, we discussed your your life, uh, the inflection points that guided you to where you are today, and how you want to um, help the planet harmonize and live in coherence as well, and with this flexible framework and. And you're instantiating that in a book to act as a beacon or a guide for others. And and then, uh, but you're also YPO members. So let's talk about that element. And 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 after that, I want to talk about uh, how maybe we could use AI to to scale what you have in your book. But but first of all, uh, you're a YPO. What is YPO? You're a YPO member. Maybe you can talk about the Global Impact Summit because some of it's gone public. Uh, so you can talk more about it and and uh, what uh, inspired you to become a YPO or and and uh, to remain in this journey of YPO and et cetera et cetera and where you see the impact summit going. So a lot of questions in there, but okay, let's talk about your YPO journey. Okay, so indeed the YPO was very funny uh, journey. You know, I was in in Venezuela and I was in in there and I was in the uh, Chamber of Commerce, Pharmaceutical Association. I had so many associations that I was part and I was president, executive president of, of Bayer um, group there. And then it was very funny because I received a call from a person that telling, oh, you know, you're, de- you're dead, asked, 
to contact you because he wanted to to be sure that you are okay here in Venezuela. So can we have a lunch? Because then I can send a message to him telling that you were okay. I said, oh, my father, my God, because he's always taking care of me, you know? And then I went to have lunch and summarizing, he looked at me and said, Lara, I thought that it was a student. I said, oh no, I, I am president of Bayer. And he was even like a, working with Bayer. And I said, Lara, I don't understand. So, and then we were having fun and he knew more or less my father. And then we started to talk and what, what I was doing, how I believe, how I was also transforming Bayer there, that I was changing many principles, no? and bringing goodness, care for people. And he told, Lara, you have to be part of YPO. I said, what is YPO? I don't want to be part of YPO. I have so many associations, I don't want. And he told, no, 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 no. This is something that is super good for you. I am CEO. He, 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 he's a wonderful friend, Stefan Tobar. He's marvelous. And he told, Lara, this is for you. It's not for the company, it's not, this is for you, it's very important because it's young president's uh, organization where everybody who is before 40 in a position of a CEO, president or something like this, you get help. And it's a community that we help each other. And the idea that we have is that helping each other to do our jobs better, to impact. So it was all of this conversation. And then suddenly I saw myself part of YPO Venezuela and I was seeing how it was helping. And we have forums and I had a very strong forum there that they helped me through many, many challenges that I had in my life. You know? And even, I, and I tell it, sometimes we are doing this so many things, but inside ourselves, there are so many things happening, Stefan, and you do not have help. And that period I was going through a very difficult phase that I was having uh, struggles with fertility and I was not being able to get pregnant and then suddenly all the things my, my, my children were waiting there and uh, I met my three children three, three siblings that we adopted there in Venezuela and all YPO was part of they helped me so then after uh, I went to India I, I, I went to India and I was there and then when I left the corporate world I, I told I do not have to be in YPO anymore because I am not anymore a CEO of a company I am doing things like it's almost like a social venture I'm working myself writing a book and they told no 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 now is even time and I didn't know then I met Amar Chadani that is uh, he wrote this book called Purposehood and we by by very big coincidence, I when I moved to to Orlando, he was living like some miles from me, and then we met, we talked, and he invited me to be part of this chapter, that is only people that is focused on purpose in YPO, and then they called me to the Global Impact Summit that I was not going there. When I went there, I was so amazed. I said, "Wow, we can do so much here, and there are so many." so many conscious people here and they want to make such a big difference and i and i am being very honest that i was very big part of ypo but i was not so participative and right now after this costa rica meeting i told we need to use this platform to really make a difference because here are so many leaders and we can use this to spread and there are so amazing people in this group that they have tools that we can share with the rest of the world how to bring sustainability how to 
work for good and how to see the impact this has in your business, in profit and everything. But it's a good profit. It's a good profit. It's for benefit of the future society, humanity, planet. So I wipe you is a great community that can make a great difference that have people like you that are guiding us like Julie, like and it's, this is amazing so that's why i think that the ypo and this a global summit of impact this is something that could make a very that will make a very big difference in in our way of working in the future <laughs> so sorry for the big answer again <laughs> You're such a perfect fit for the Global Impact Summit and, and this uh, marvelous organization, uh, Young Presidents Organization, and and you could remain for your entire life uh, uh, as you graduate from YPO to YPO Gold as well. And and um, just for the audience who aren't familiar, it's like 33,000 plus leaders across something like over 140 countries, 450 chapters, employing 22 million, and uh, uh, close to 10 trillion in annual revenue if you combine all of the the companies that are within. It's, it's a private organization though, uh, very um, sort of based on, on privacy and confidentiality and so on, but but you're, you're an amazing uh, leader. We're, we're, I, I, and I know you got a meeting post uh, with our friend Julie, so. <laughs> coming up in a few minutes. And uh, I I just want to inject this idea that uh, this uh, chat GPT technology, I think would be such a perfect uh, marriage with, with this book and to scale it. And I just want to get your final thoughts on that and then your final recommendations and then we'll end. So, uh, uh -huh. so this idea maybe in, uh, uh, leveraging all of this activity that you see in the news today about this, um, what they call generative AI and and using that, leveraging that uh, with your book and yeah. to scale it on a planetary basis. So I think that this fits so perfectly because at the same time, there are so many people afraid of it, no? <laughs> and what can happen is that being afraid of it, we can just shut down everything that can be a huge benefit for, for, for humanity. And why? because we are being motivated by fear. We are making decisions because we want to avoid that it will use by, for bad. And the reason why this would be used for bad is because it would be motivated by profit or whatever. And if you just think on what I just told about the book, if we would see a friendly universe and see all of this uh, AI that is coming, and we think that this can be the solution for everything that we are looking for, that we don't know how to solve. And we can use the brilliancy of knowing how to live with a purpose for the human beings to guide and nurture the AI to bring the solutions that we need for the future and even to help us realize dreams for the future. So if you change the way you look at, at chat GPT, chat GPT will change. <laughs> the question is what questions and information we have there. If we have good questions, good dreams inside it, it will feed our purpose. So the only point is why we are doing what we are doing. 
how can we make this in benefit of this society and our future? And maybe solve problems that we caused because of our wrong perspective and objectives in the past. How we reframe how we are living. So this is my final message. By the end, is about we use epigenetics and neuroplasticity for us as human beings to be better. How can we use this for all the new intelligence technology to fit to a purpose that will make a wonderful future for us, next generations and planet? So this is my, my last thoughts. <laughs> You know, thank you, Laura, for for coming in. You you shared so many you know wonderful uh, ideas, but more than that, you're instantiating those ideas in ways that can uh, act as a beacon or this idea of a North Star for for the planet. Uh, just such a wonderful dialogue today with you. Really, really enjoyed my time with you today, and thank you so much for everything you're doing. No, oh, I thank you, Stefan, because I am. Uh... I admire you so much and I love what you do. So AI for good is something that everybody has to have intrinsically inside themselves. So thank you for what you stand for, Stephen. <laughs> so peace, uh, goodwill and well-being to you. And thank you again. To you too. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called you.